welcome to the Hell Project podcast. This is where I share all of the results of the research and reading that I've done on the doctrine of hell over the last few years. Uh, I defend the view that uh, without Jesus, we are all dead. Uh, This is the view called conditionalism, and I believe there's better news in it than the traditional understanding of hell. And I try to defend that here. The audio quality may not be that high as it's taken off my YouTube channel and unfortunately some of the streams do have technical glitches but I hope that you stick with it and uh, do let me know what you think, share, uh, get involved through Twitter or even comment on my YouTube channel. I look forward to hearing back from you. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to The Hell Project. My name is Phil Duncalf. It's been a little while since I've done one of these, but I was specifically asked to respond to this video uh, by James White, uh, which was uh, recorded quite a while ago. Uh, I remember seeing it back when he released it and uh, thinking it was very complementary to the conditionalist perspective. Um, And I'm going to let you watch the whole clip in your own time. I'll put the link in the description below. Um, but I'm going to jump straight in and respond to the main bits that James White makes as an argument against conditionalism. Now, it's an off-the-cuff response. It's, a, I think, a couple of years old now, um, so I'm not going to labour the point too heavily uh, whether or not he's really presented conditionalism in its strength. Um, I'm probably not going to respond to James White in full strength because I, I haven't spent loads of time preparing this response, but I felt like it was a good enough video to respond to and I had a little bit of time to do so. There's a few other people that have emailed in recently that have also asked some really interesting questions that I've been wrestling with and I hope to do a couple more videos uh, in the not too distant future plus uh, finish off the Matthew series I've been doing with Darren Clark and I'll be doing that hopefully over the next few weeks as well. So do subscribe, there is still things going on with this channel but due to my other channel, Critical Witness, and other commitments in life and family, I don't put out as many <laughs> videos as I once did. Um, so I'm, I'm going to play James White's uh, parts of his clip. Um, and I'm going to do my best not to pull out of context, but I think there's a bit where he explains uh, one of the main points of conditionalism, uh, and I think it's worth a, a bit of correction. And then there's a few arguments he makes that I'm, I think I've been specifically asked to focus on. Um, so I'm not trying to pull James White's comments out of context, but where he makes an argument, I'm trying to respond to it for the person who's asked me to. So that's the context of this video, uh, and I'm going to try and do it in about 10 minutes. That's the aim. Uh, so let's get straight into it. So here's James White's video, and I'm going to play from uh, 6 minutes 30 in. When people object to the eternal punishment of the wicked, their objection is that even though they may have been very wicked, they were only wicked for a certain period of time, for a limited period of time. That, in our minds, seems completely out of proportion to eternal destruction. Because conditional say eternal destruction just simply means destruction that has eternal consequences. It's done, you're gone, that's it, and you remain that way. Um, Now, I'm just going to replay that just slightly. I want you to catch what he says. To eternal destruction. Because conditional will say eternal destruction just simply means destruction that has eternal consequences. It's done, you're gone, that's it, and you remain that way. 
Now, this, and I think I've argued that. I think I, you might well find on this channel somewhere where I say something like the eternal destruction is eternal in the sense of its consequence. And I, I don't think that's a good uh, or even necessary argument for a conditionalist to make, uh, nor is it the definition as uh, I've heard others make it. It's not the strongest case for conditionalism. So a conditionalist does not argue over the definition of eternal meaning ongoing in duration. But the question is, if we're talking about eternal punishment, that is also called eternal destruction, what is the punishment? And I, I would argue, well, the punishment is destruction. Uh, the, the two can be fairly synonymous. If eternal punishment is the punishment is the punishment for those who are told to depart from Christ, well, eternal de destruction must be fairly synonymous. Uh, and so, well, what is destruction? What is death? And so that's where anthropology, uh, as James White calls it in in his video, comes into the challenge. And so I want to just make it clear, I'm, I'm a dualist, and that will come out throughout uh, this response. But what James White is arguing here, and why it matters, is that actually the consequence, the punishment, is death. So it's not that your punishment goes on for a time, and then that punishment ends. And that, that's what James White argues on behalf of the conditionalist in this video. That's actually not the argument, not the strongest argument. The punishment is death. The wages of sin is death. And by death, we mean a death that destroys body and soul, kills body and soul, uh, removes all that is you, your experience, your life. It ends it. That is the punishment. And the reason that it's eternal in duration is that you are never resurrected from that state. You're never resurrected from the state of non-existence. You, you don't carry on in some form and that's also important for some of his next arguments so just to to help with that and make it clear is that we believe that uh, you die once then you raise to judgment and then the judgment is whether you gain eternal life forever in a resurrected body in new creation or you face the second death as revelation calls it and i would argue and i have in this this uh youtube channel and on my twitter feed um, I would argue that second death makes better sense, that it's a death where you're, you, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with ceasing to exist. You're no longer a part of life. You're no longer living in the new creation because all evil, all sin and all lawlessness, as well as the lawbreakers who commit those atrocities and remain in rebellion against God will be removed. They will no longer be sustained by God. And that's important as we go into some of these other responses. So I'm going to let uh, James continue to speak. Uh, Dr. White, I'm trying to be uh, as respectful as I can here. I'm not trying to undermine his ministry or anything like that. Just clarify some arguments uh, that he makes. So here we go. The reality is, those who die in rebellion against Christ not only continue in that state upon their death and upon their discovery that they are now separated from God and that's wrath. Uh, we're talking about Hades before. before. Um, but, but now, the restraint that was placed upon them in this life is removed from them. And so, I think this this is the key issue, because if you're going to argue, well, it's not proper to eternally punish someone, but what if they remain in this condition of rebellion? Conditionalism and annihilationism 
it's, 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 it's two forms. There's different standings. It's, it's, it's a complicated area. But an evangelical, if you use that terminology, but an evangelical conditionalism would require you to believe, as they, as they express it, that you're going to be raised, judged, and punished commensurately with your sins at the end of your punishment. So there is, there is punishment. It's not just despair. It's not like Jehovah's Witnesses. There is an end to that punishment. And then at the end, you, you are annihilated. You, you cease to exist. What's the assumption of all that? That you're not sinning any longer against God. That, that you are in submission to this. You're in submission to the punishment. If you're not continuing your hatred. Or the hatred of God after death is not considered to be something that requires punishment. Which I think would remove from you the Imago Dei. As long as something... So before he goes into a complication of Imago Dei, I'm not going to touch on that at all where he starts talking about Imago Dei. But what he's arguing is basically that death and life in a conditionless framework are the same thing in that they're both sanctified. You're both no longer sinning, which I find I, I find really bizarre that this is such a, an argument that has convinced Dr. White to hold to the traditionist view, as he seems to suggest, because he, he repeatedly says that this is a position that he uh, almost favors would want to be true. Now, if we've got a a person who remains in rebellion against God, we have scriptures that tell us what will happen to them. Uh, John three sixteen says they will perish. Uh, we have uh, the Hebrews passages where they will come face to face to a consuming fire. Uh, what does a consuming fire do? We have passages that Jesus talks about the warning of facing a God uh, who is judge and says, I never knew you. And so we then get back to the eternal punishment and eternal destruction. The language is fairly clear in, in and I, I want to avoid using a plain reading argument, but the language is very much destruction is the result of rebellion against God. And and so it's that's the punishment, the destruction, the death is the punishment and therefore it's it's not an argument really to say that when you die you continue in rebellion against god it's not about continuing or you've continued in the face of god and therefore his judgment upon you is death that he no longer gives his sustaining life to you to continue into new creation life forever with the righteous and so sure you could say the dead no longer sin but dead no longer breathe the dead no longer function as human beings they're no longer alive they're no longer experiencing it it starts to make like words mean nothing if we continue down this road where destruction death perish ash are just all metaphors for what metaphors for existence and life well we, we have language for life so let's just use life so I'm going down a little bit of a rabbit trail there. So it, there's there's this language that Dr. White uses that says that when you die, you, you, you're sanctified because you stop sinning. Uh, and I think that just makes a nonsense of both the scripture and the conditionalist view because the punishment is that, yes, you remained under the wrath of God. You've remained in your sin and therefore you are no longer sustained to keep on sinning. And I think that points better into the whole th part of the character of God that we see in Genesis 3. What does Genesis 3 tell us about God? Well, it tells us one thing, that there will be a victor that defeats sin, uh, who will stamp on the head of the serpent and be wounded in doing so, pointed to Jesus. We also have at the end of Genesis 3, we have Genesis 3.19 that says that God expelled Adam and Eve from the garden 
lest they live forever. The access to immortality was removed the moment humanity lost access to the tree of life, to the garden. Whether it's a symbol, a literal tree, whatever it is, whoever, when we don't have access to that tree of life, then we don't have immortality. Uh, and so that, that is an aspect. So what does that tell us about God's character? Well, God's character is not going to let us live in our sin forever. He is going to end life so that that doesn't have it's a merciful act to to end those who will continue in their sin forever continue sinning continue corrupting his creation including themselves through their sin and so i guess my question back to dr white is if if someone remains in their sin forever uh, and he argues that they'll be alone forever in their sin in their own torment in their gnashing of teeth in what realm is this going to occur? Because the realm of Hades, the grave where people die for the first time, where Luke 16 is set, where uh, the rich man is in torment, that is emptied. So no one is in it in Revelation 20. And then it's destroyed among, along with everyone else who's thrown into the second death. So the second death destroys Hades. I don't think anyone particularly argues against that point, but... A lot of traditions will argue that actually, even though Hades is destroyed, Gehenna, the lake of fire, the second death becomes another realm. But I'd like to see why that is the case. And I, I don't think that's a strong, there is a, a stronger case, as many traditionists think, that the second death suddenly becomes what Hades was, just worse. Uh, that doesn't make sense of what's going on there. The second death destroys, ends Hades. It destroys all that goes in it because it's a consuming fire so let's go through to uh one uh last section um because i'm i'm talking too much and he's got one a couple more thing interesting things to say so uh 10 40. as to what hell is what it's gonna look like is complete bogus absurdity that you can never demonstrate in scripture um a devil's running around with pitchforks what that's not it that's not bible uh, we're going to be having a big party down there. You know, Gary Larson the far side with all his stuff about hell. No, nope, ain't going to happen. As far as I can tell, the imagery that's used, you're alone. You're alone. But now that the restraints have been removed from you, your hatred for God becomes self-consuming. I don't think God has to extend any energy whatsoever to torment anyone in hell. If you are consumed with your hatred of God and you are now separated from everyone else and anything that reflects the image of God, what's the only thing left? Yourself. You are the only yeah. reminder of it. That will be enough punishment. God doesn't have to be doing anything. So, so the okay, so this is generally like a, it, it comes across a bit C.S. Lewis s great divorce that you are. Um, hell is you locking the door against God from the inside. You're saying no to him forever. And he lets you be. He lets you be in your sin and you just wallow for eternity. Uh, I don't think the scriptural case for that is very strong either. Uh, that's a very philosophical response to some some aspects of scripture. But. What does the scripture say? Uh, well, we have images of God being present in in his promises. He says, God, will, uh, the, the scriptures say, and I don't, I don't have the references in my head, but hopefully you'll recognize them, is that God will be all in all, that every knee will bow and every tongue confess. And, and that will be in the new creation where heavens and earth are together like they should have been back in the garden. 
And so that's why it's an important point for, I think, any traditionalist to answer that question of, of where is this torment being? Because the language I've heard, and it's si kind of similar into what Dr. White is saying here, is he's, he's saying that there's this place that where God isn't. And there's, that's, that's not what scripture promises. God will be all in all, and there'll be no sin or corruption or anything to avoid, uh, make us separate from God's presence. And so anyone that remains in rejection to him will be consumed by his presence. They will, will not be allowed to live forever in their sin. That's just not what scriptures point us to. So that, that would be uh, this idea that hell is this lonely place for eternity. Uh, it just, A, it's not scriptural. Uh, any sign of banishment or expulsion ended in death, like the scapegoat that was banished from society. It didn't go on living forever in the wilderness. It died. Adam and Eve, they were expelled from the, the garden. They died. The judgment on Solomon and Gomorrah, everyone died. Those are the examples we have of what will happen to the ungodly. And, and that's what 2 Peter uh, 3 argues. It's what Jude argues is a sort of echo of 2 Peter. So we, we have language here. We don't have to philosophize about being alone uh, behind a locked door. Scripture tells us quite clearly life in the one hand with God forever in new creation, death, destruction, perish, ash, gone no more there will be no more you will look for the wicked but you will not find them as psalm 37 says so i'm going to then finish up with a, a couple of things that james white says uh, at the end here and then we'll i'll close off so here we go 12 15 is my next point then raise the question that is raised. no that's the problem that's, that's the problem right there so what i'm telling you is i respect i respect the conditionalists they, they, they are, their arguments are far better than our side is willing to admit because we don't listen to them. And I've said, yeah. I, I wish they were right. I'm convinced they're not, but I wish they were right because it would simplify a lot of stuff. But what I would like things to be and the way things are, are different things. I agree. The way things are and the way things should be uh, or the way scripture says, they are different things. But I find it interesting that he says it would make things a lot simpler for him. Well, it has, I'll be honest. Conditionism does make scripture a lot more easy to read. I, I don't have to read extra meanings into the language of death, destruction, uh, and all that. And I can also find hope in that, that there is one day a new creation where all evil will be no more. How do I then wrestle with that when it's talking about loved ones who might not be there? Well, that was a question that was asked to me, and I want to spend a bit of time on that in another video soon. But my, my simple response is that, God will renew us and we will know that he is good and he is just in a way that we can't even fathom now. And the scriptures do promise us that in new creation, we will be part of the church as it was meant to be a new family. And so while we lose certain human relationships now, ones that we hold dear, we will see in perfection that that a is what they wanted. They they stayed in rebellion against God. We will gain a new family that will be perfect relationships because they will no longer be marred with sin. And then there's there's other aspects within the hope that we have of of new creation that we we can't that help us have hope that our God will do right. 
God is a just God. He is a merciful God. These are, he's slow to anger, abounding love. The character of God shines through the page of scripture if you're willing to dig in and see that the judgment of God is on those who will remain totally in rebellion against him. Now, what does that mean for those who have actively searched for God and, and not found him? Well, I don't know. I, I honestly don't. And I, I can't say that they will or they won't be under God's judgment. And I, I, I trust that because of what Jesus has done on the cross, his love for those who seek him with a whole heart, even if it came across in this life that they never found him. Well, I have hope that there's an inclusion there for those people. And I leave that up to God. Uh, it's not for me to judge. And and so for someone wrestling with that, did my loved one who, who did seek but never quite found, what happens to them? Well, I think there's hope that people like that may well find life. I do think that more people will be in the new creation than what many people actively state, because I think God is more loving, more kind, more generous, more merciful, more just than many of us uh, would like. And when we say someone is going to hell, I think we're making statements that we should be very, very careful as Christians to make. We're called to love our enemies. We're called to pray for them. And we aren't the ones that are called to make the final judgment of who does and who doesn't go to hell. That's where I'm going to end. And I think there is good news in that. And I hope that's helpful to those of you who have asked these questions. Thank you so much for them. Um, and I, I will try and respond further uh, through emails, through comments, through Twitter. But as I said, there are other commitments going on in my life at the moment. You can find them uh, through other blogs. I'm going to let you do that if you'd like. You can find them online. Um, but as I said, there's, there's hope, there's good news, and I'll, I'll leave it there. Have a very good rest of your day, evening. We'll see you later. Thank you for listening, and I want to know what you think do you get in touch as i said at the beginning of this podcast you can do that through uh, twitter or my youtube channel but i also have the scripts and free resources and other studies that i'm continuing to engage with at uh, thehellproject.online thank you so much for listening if you'd like to support the channel and uh, the show in any way please do go into the description of this episode and you can find a PayPal link. Otherwise, I do this all for free, and I hope you found it helpful. God bless you. See you later.